All right. Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. We started here last week and we got down through verse number 10. And so tonight we're going to pick up in verse 11 and, uh, and go a ways. And uh, then, Lord willing, next week we'll finish up in this chapter. Proverbs chapter number 13. I don't know about anybody else. I just absolutely never get tired of the book of Proverbs. For several years, I, uh, in fact, I've actually had uh, some people ask me to do it, and I, uh, I don't want to do it unless I do it right, but I've intended, like on morning manna, uh, to have that go, go through the book of Proverbs, take, you know, one or two or whatever, uh, each morning and go all the way through. And uh, if I live long enough, maybe someday I'll get around to doing that. But, uh, you know, it'd be easy enough to do, but I, I don't want to do it haphazardly. And so, uh, but anyway, you just, uh, there's always always something here that that applies to our everyday lives. And this is no exception. Verse 11, wealth. Gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Now, I'll bet you if someone if someone asks you, do you know somebody that's always looking for the quick buck? In other words, somebody that's wanting easy money, something that doesn't require hard work. And every single one of us would say, yeah, I, I know somebody like that. And it just might be that somebody here has that attitude. Or if you don't now, there was a time in your life when you did. You know, the sad thing about most of those people anyway, I've noticed, is that usually they'll resort to all kinds of uh, ruthless or even cruel uh, things to get what they want. Uh, you know, they... They want it, but they don't want to work for it. But if they can figure out some way to lie or to cheat or to steal to get what they want, they do it. And uh, others, you know, their thing is is gambling. You know, they're going to uh, hope they hit the jackpot someday. You know, I might be uh, addicted to pizza or, you know, I could have addiction to a lot of things, I guess, but gambling would never be one of my addictions. That's one, I mean, I, I couldn't stand the thought of, of not just the losing, but the losing money. I, I just, and, and you, you know, or you should know ahead of time that it doesn't pay. People say, boy, yeah, I mean, I hit the jackpot. I mean, I'm, I'm really raking it in. Well, just stay at it, and I'll guarantee you it's just a matter of time till you lose everything you've gained. I know someone a, a few years ago that hit it big like that, and, boy, I mean, they were giving away money, and they were buying this, and they were buying that, and uh, it became a, a, a habit with them because they thought, they thought they could beat the system. Well, how do you think they build all of these huge casinos, multi-million dollars? Where does that money come from? It comes out of the pocket of people that think they can beat the system. And, you know, e even playing the lottery or something like that, it is a losing game. But anyway, 
A, a lot of people resort to gambling in order to get what they want, and uh, sometimes they seem to prosper, but uh, what's the old saying? Easy come, easy go. And every time I think about that, I'm reminded of what it uh, says, uh, where is it, in Hosea or Haggai, one of those where it talks about those that put their money in a bag with holes in it. In other words, regardless of how much they've got coming in, they they can never get ahead. And whenever the nation of Israel, of course, when they were guilty of robbing God, and remember he was telling them, wherein have you robbed me in tithes and offerings and so forth, and you're familiar with those verses, and he basically says, put me to the test and see if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you'll not be able to receive. And uh, so, you know, uh, giving to the Lord pays unless you're giving in order to get paid. And and if our motive is wrong, then we're not going to prosper as a result of it. The thing that God blesses is 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 hard, honest work, and uh, it doesn't always. It's not always pleasant. Uh, you know, think about hard work. It's hard work, and uh, it's difficult, but it pays off and. So, you know, if we want to get ahead and we want to stay ahead, the way to do it, regardless of what you're doing, is to go to work. And that is God's appointed means of getting gain. That, I mean, you, you, you know, you go all the way back through the Bible. That is God's appointed means of getting gain. A lot of people don't appreciate what they've got because they never had to work to get it. It was just given to them. I've worked for a couple of men who were multimillionaires, and uh, and uh, one of them especially inherited all of his wealth. And, of course, you know, he was a big shot out in the country club, and he was uh, head of this and head of that and in all of the social things uh, there in town and what have you. But... Uh, but he didn't have near the appreciation that the other fellow had, who happened to be the cousin to John Morris, who, who, uh, whose daddy was a founder of Bass Pro Shops and all of that. And uh, I worked for him, and uh, and he worked for his money and appreciated his money, and uh, and so it pays. Uh, whenever I was a boy, I'll never forget. It's strange how something that we resent so much at the time or something that hurts us so much at the time makes a lasting impact upon us for the rest of our lives. And whenever, you know, I think back to all of the different things that my daddy said to me, and uh, I can't remember most of that. I really can't. I mean, he said a lot of things to me, and and some of them in very colorful language, but uh, but I, I'll, I'll never forget one statement that he made because it, it, I would rather he had hit me with a two before, and uh, and I was supposed to be mowing the yard or doing some of my chores. I don't remember what it was, and finally uh, I didn't get the job done, and and finally I went out there, and, and you you know how kids go about it if they're mowing the yard and pushing the mower. Now, now this was before gas engines, <laughs> or gas mowers anyway. So I was out there just playing around, and he got so mad, and he come flying out that back door, 
and give me a big old shove and grabbed that mower out of my hand and looked at me and said, Blankety blank, you'll never amount to anything. And I don't know why it impacted me so, because usually I didn't care what he said, I, especially if I get out of mowing. But something about that just challenged me uh, that wherever I worked, anywhere thereafter, I was going to make sure I carried my part of the load. I was going to make sure that I was got to work early, just like my daddy did. And if I, they needed me to work late, I'd work late, and I was going to work hard. And I, I haven't done it perfectly uh, all of these years, but but I'm saying all of that to say this. Our young people need the challenge that if they want to really get ahead in life and if they want to be in God's will in life, they need to go to work and work hard to get ahead because that's God's appointed means. And wealth gotten by vanity, what did he say? It will be diminished. Verse number 12, hope deferred, put off, delayed, lingering. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Uh, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. You know, one of the most important uh, uh, ingredients to our happiness is hope. You know, somebody has said, you know, a man can live, uh, what was it, uh, so many days without food and so many days without water, but about three seconds without hope. And there's a lot of truth in that. We are in desperate need of hope. And there are so, so many people that are just, you know, uh, that are in despair. Because when difficulties arise, disappointments come, so many times people lose hope and, and they become discouraged. And when we get in that state, remember we're talking about hope deferred. Our, our dreams aren't being realized. We we might say our prayers not being answered. We're we're not we're not getting the thing that we desire. We get discouraged, and out of that discouragement comes a spirit of rebellion, and we get ourselves in trouble. That's what happened to Abraham. Remember, God promised Abraham a son. We all know that story. I mean, it was just a really an amazing story. And yet, for for some reason, now now remember this: Abraham is a man known for his faith. But where did he fail? He failed in the area of his strong point, which was faith. And in and, and, and this instance, uh, he came up with the idea, and, uh, and Sarah went along with it. You know that uh, maybe we better we better help God out. God promised a son, and we, we, we're in such desperate need for a son. And so, uh, so he took Hagar and, and had a child. Man, there's still fighting going on in the Middle East today as a result of that decision that he made way back then. And it was a heartbreaking decision that brought nothing but trouble to him and to his family for the rest of his life. And so whenever, whenever your dreams aren't being realized, when your hopes seem to be dashed to pieces, don't get discouraged. There are a lot of times, you know, that this matter of waiting is all a part of, of God's process. Uh, 
And by the way, God doesn't lie if He has promised us something. For example, when the Bible says, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Well, you know, we start doing that, but yet we don't see these things being added to us, or at least it's not coming in as fast as we want it to. And so all of a sudden we're discouraged because it appears, we wouldn't verbalize it, of course, we don't have that kind of audacity, but, but it appears that God just wasn't altogether honest with us. That, that may, or maybe we misunderstood God. God said if we do this, He'll do that. And it hasn't happened. What we don't understand is, is that many times waiting is a part of that process because in all of this, God is growing us. God is using the experience in order to develop us spiritually. And so he says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. You know, I mean, there's good scriptural basis for people saying, you know, I'm just heart sick. I'm just heartbroken. My heart hurts. Well, uh, hope deferred would cause that. But notice the other side of the coin. When the desire cometh, notice he says, it is a tree of life. When you think about a tree of life, uh, certainly in that day anyway, they thought about a place of refreshment. They thought about a place of joy and a place of restfulness. In other words, it just, you know, it brings tranquility and gives you a piece of, uh, a sense of well-being as a result of it. And uh, we all know what it's like, you know, whenever, like Brock mentioned, God answering their prayer in regards to to the house and some others have talked about prayers that God has answered and just all of a sudden there's nothing in the world more refreshing uh, than, than for God to give you what you've been longing for. That's why testimony meetings are so good. You know, we have, we have a time where we take prayer requests and, uh, but years ago anyway, and we need to get back to that practice, we had what was called testimony meetings. We didn't didn't take any prayer requests during that time. It was just testimonies, and it is it, it's so encouraging whenever you hear people talking about the blessing they received, the things that God has done, and that's the whole point right here. He says whenever the whenever the desire is received, when it is fulfilled, he said it's like a tree of life. In other words, that goes beyond just something that feels good. That's something that's beneficial to our welfare. Now, verse number 13. Whoso, so that'd mean anybody, right? Whoso despiseth the word, that's the word of God, whoso despiseth the word shall be, that's emphatic, shall be destroyed. That's horrible. But he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. You know, nearly everybody at some point in time has asked themselves the question, what in the world is wrong with the world? You know, we, we read about this or that. We, you know, hear the news. Somebody did this. And we just shake our head in, in unbelief. How in the world can people do the things that they do? What in the world is wrong with the world? Well, the answer is right here. The majority of our problems are caused by our disrespect for and our disobedience to the Word of God. 
And notice, and whoever despises the word, he says, shall be destroyed. And some people never seem to learn that God's, God's way is always right, always best, and it's always the safest route to take. And if we just stop and think about all of the pain, all of the misery and the heartbreak that's brought about by one thing, and that is our disregard for what God's Word teaches. And so that is exactly why the Lord said to Israel, He says, you've destroyed yourself. Because that's what we do when we disregard the Word of God. Notice He says that person shall be destroyed. There are no exceptions to that rule. When we despise the Word of God, we're going to end up destroying ourselves. But, and thank God for this, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. In other words, just as there is punishment for those that do not respect God's Word, there is a reward or benefits for those that obey the Word of God because faith and obedience always brings blessings. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And, and, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. And our faith is manifested by our obedience because where there is no obedience, there is no real faith. James makes that perfectly clear. So where, where there is faith, where there is obedience to God, Blessings always follow. Uh, whenever we think about America and we think about the way that God blessed America and we look back and it was not because the majority of people were Christians because the statistics uh, proved that that was really not the case. But it, it was the fact that the church and the Lord's people served as the conscience of the community. And even those who did not profess to be Christians acknowledged the fact that that was the right way to live and that the Bible was the best guide to follow. And consequently, our nation was founded upon those godly principles. And you take someone, even somebody that is unsaved, it won't get them to heaven, but even if they're unsaved, if they would just follow the principles of the Bible the best that they could, they would be a lot better off as a result of it. But, of course, getting them to see that is another thing. I realize that. But the point is, he that feareth, going back to this matter of having respect for, the commandment shall be rewarded. Now, verse 14, the law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Now, we just got through talking about destruction, and now notice he's speaking here in regards to death. So this verse seems to pick up right where the last verse left off. And notice it left off talking about what? The commandment. Well, the law of the wise is always based on the Word of God. And uh, whenever man makes any laws that are contrary to God's Word, he's demonstrating his foolishness. You, you know, it's been refreshing to see the response uh, uh, the last day or two to this Bruce Jenner thing that's going on. Uh, and by response, I'm talking about those who acknowledge the foolishness of, of what that man, uh, not woman, what that man is doing, and the president has applauded him, and people, 
you know, across the nation talking about how brave and so forth he is for, for doing something like that. And it's just, it's just amazing that so many people have no respect for the Word of God and demonstrating how foolish we are. Wisdom compels us to take the best course of action, and how are we going to do that? Well, in order to do that, then our conduct must be regulated and determined by the Word of God. Wisdom is not being the smartest person in the room. Wisdom has to do with making the best possible use of what we've got while we can. It's not about just knowing, but it's about knowing how to put your knowledge to the best possible use. And notice the law of the wise and this would be that which is based upon the Word of God, is to depart from the snares of death. And, and so here again, we see that the rules, the regulations, the responsibilities that are laid out in God's Word, these things are a source of life unto us. Uh, whenever I think about Independence Day coming up and... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to quote verbatim the motto of Hawaii, and I, I've used it in several sermons, but uh, basically it gets down to that very thing. It's based on Christian principle, you know, that that our prosperity and our blessings are all rooted and grounded uh, in our willingness to follow the Word of God. Boy, when we depart from that, we're headed down the road to destruction, and we see that all around us today. The law of the wise, notice, uh, is a fountain of life. Verse 15, good understanding giveth uh, favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Well, when we look at the first part of this verse, you can take that in, in two different ways. Uh, it can speak about gaining favor or the acceptance of either God or man, because good understanding benefits us in, in, in both ways. Good understanding benefits us in regards to our relationship with each other, and uh, it also benefits us regarding our relationship with God. Good understanding keeps a lot of people out of serious problems, and uh, a lack of understanding causes us to ignore God's laws and God's warnings, and that lack of understanding gets us in trouble. I look back to, you know, my childhood days like everybody can, and we do something that is absolutely so stupid. I mean, anybody, if they would just stop and think, you know, this is not going to work. And and we go ahead and we do it and uh, and hopefully learn from it. You know, a lack of understanding always gets us in trouble, and especially in regards to our relationship with God, because notice he says the way of transgressors is hard. And so, you know, to be a transgressor is somebody that has gotten out of the way, that has gone astray. In other words, they are out of bounds is a good way to describe it. And so that's the person that's not walking according to the uh, to the commands of the wise, somebody that's not walking according uh, to good understanding. And so as a result of their transgression, he says, it is hard. 
And, uh, you know, boy, some of us here tonight could speak about that from experience, right? I mean, we have a testimony meeting as to the stupid things that we've done and, and as the hurt that has been inflicted. And every one of us could stand up and say, you know, boy, 20 years ago I did this or I did that, and, and, and it, it just really uh, was detrimental to my well-being, or it really hurt somebody else. So we have all of these experiences, but listen, uh, we don't always have to rely on experience because we've got all of these examples from the Word of God over and over and over again, different examples that the way of transgressors is hard. And you just go back and look at every instance that you can find, whether it was Abraham, as we mentioned earlier, and just go right down the list and through the Bible, and those that violated the principles of God's Word always ended up paying a price for it. And we always do because we reap what we sow. The way of transgressors is hard. Somebody says, well, and I've literally had had someone to tell me this years and years ago about becoming a Baptist. He'd made a profession of faith and wouldn't get baptized. And finally I confronted him about it. And he said, well, and he said, I'm just going to tell you why. He said, I decided not to get baptized because you Baptists expect too much out of people. And like I told him, I said, it's, it's not what we expect, it's what God's Word expects, you know, out of us. But a lot of people think, you know, this Christian life, you know, this, that's just too hard. Look, if you think it's hard following God and doing what is right, if you think that's hard, you just try not doing it because that's going to be a lot harder in the end. The way of transgressors is hard, and there's no two ways about it. Uh, it's the wrong choice. Verse 16, Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. Well, the first part of this verse tells us that the wise person carefully considers his ways. That's the idea. The prudent man, he dealeth with knowledge. And, and he's simply telling us that the, the prudent man, the wise man, does not just plunge headlong into something without thinking it through. Some of you might remember me telling the story about, you know, whenever I was working at the highway department, we decided to have a contest, three or four of us, who could climb the cable on a crane the highest, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and so all of us are very, you know, intent on beating the other one. And I just kept going and going and going. And at the time, I didn't realize, wait a minute, I've got to have the strength to be able to let myself back down. Because if you know anything about those cables, those little wires all sticking out of them, it's not a pleasant thing. Let that go sliding through your hands. And so, you know, I just kept going and going. And finally I realized, whoa, I don't have enough strength to get back down. And so here I am falling and grabbing and I finally hit bottom and my hands are bleeding. And I just didn't think that through. Well, you know, a lot of people do that in regards to a lot of different things, you know. And the prudent man dealeth with knowledge that... They think things through, but notice a fool, <laughs> a fool sees how high he can climb on a, yeah, <laughs> a fool layeth open his folly. In, in other words, he just puts it out there for everybody to see. 
And, and, you know, even though I won the contest, you better believe that those guys were rolling on the floor laughing, so to speak. I mean, they, they, thought, they thought that was really funny, you know, but uh wasn't anything funny about it. But I laid open my folly, and uh, a fool layeth open his folly. Uh, often talking about, you know, the, the politics and the leaders of the land and what have you. And the, I've often said, you know, a first grader can make more wise choices than some of these people. I mean, the stupidity of some of these leaders is absolutely just mind-boggling. And then we wonder why we get where we are. Well, it just goes to show whenever you leave God out of your thinking, you end up getting in trouble. Verse 17, a wicked messenger, and there shouldn't be such a thing, by the way, but a wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. Now, in order to really appreciate this, we've got we've got to we get, we we've got to go back in time. We've got to think about the time in which this was being written. And in those days, there was no telegraph, there was no telephone, there was no postal service. There were no computers in those days. Everything depended upon messengers and the faithfulness of those messengers. And as we all know, messages can be of great importance, right? I mean, to get a warning that the enemy is approaching, that war is impending, that you are in peril, to get that message in time is absolutely crucial. And so in those days, the safety of a city or the safety of a nation depended upon information being communicated. And the person to communicate that information was the messenger. And so here he's speaking about the fact that the messenger is of vital importance here. And notice again what he says. My Bible flipped a page on me. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief. And, you know, that's the worst thing he could do because you can't depend on someone like that. Here they are on a mission to deliver a message, to communicate information that's going to be helpful. And somewhere along the way, you know, he falls into mischief as a result of it. And others suffer because of his failure. Now, although times are much different today, there's a really important lesson in this for us because the Bible tells us in Second Corinthians chapter number 5, that we are ambassadors for Christ. As Christians, we are called into a ministry, every single one of us. And that ministry is the ministry, and these are the words of Paul, the ministry of reconciliation. That word reconciliation has to do with bringing two parties into a state of oneness. And we, who have the most glorious, most important message in all of the world, we have a ministry of reconciliation. And that's why he says we are ambassadors for Christ. We are on a mission. We are living in enemy territory. We're pilgrims and we're strangers in this world. But we have a message and we have a mission. And that mission is to help bring others into a state of oneness with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, With that in mind, consider the consequences of you and I not communicating that message to others. 
We're not talking now about the fall of a city, the destruction of a nation, or the death of people. We're talking about eternal souls going to a devil's hell as a result of the fact that our failure, our failure caused them to never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. Every one of us has the ministry of reconciliation wherever we are in the world, and we dare not be an unfaithful messenger. Now, verse 18, and we're going to stop with verse 18 tonight. It's about that time, verse 18. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction. Now, this is going right along with what we've been talking about, walking according to wisdom, walking according to knowledge, and so forth. And poverty and shame shall come, uh, 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 shall be to him that refuses instruction, but he that regardeth the reproof shall be honored. And, uh, you know, those that refuse to listen, that includes most people, doesn't it? Uh, and and uh, they're going to suffer as a result of it. Those who have respect for reproof are going to be rewarded as a result of it. I recently read a story that I'd never seen before, and uh, I thought it fit in so good with our thought here. I jotted it down, and I, I want to read what this man said. And it's the story of a man who was very successful in the business world, and Someone asked him what, what his secret was. What was it that has made you such a success? And, and this is what he said. I never think I know everything. I'm always ready to listen to a new idea. And I always want to know when I'm doing something wrong. For 40 years, this fellow had been the top financial consultant and he'd had a reputation for listening to the, young, the youngest of his colleagues. He never defended himself when he uh, was rebuked by his superiors. He just listened to the comments and then did his best to improve. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing if we all had that attitude? You know, whether it's when others try to help us or when, it's when we're sitting in Sunday school or in a church service, and the Word of God becomes like a sword that's thrust into our heart, and we are so embarrassed and we are so miserable because God has laid open our folly for everybody to see. And how wonderful it would be if we would take that as constructive criticism and apply it to our heart and change our life. You know, Over the years, I've come to know a lot of people that had a good reputation for uh, for being a good speaker. You know, boss so and so is really a good preacher, a good teacher, a good speaker. Uh, But you know, I can't remember very many people I've ever heard anybody comment about. Boy, they are a good listener. They are a good listener. And, and notice what he says, he that regardeth reproof. We're talking about somebody that's listening, and that's what that successful businessman said, that he was willing to listen to new ideas. He didn't think he knew it all. And, and all of us ought to be, you know, 
uh, hoping and praying that we improve when it comes to this matter of really listening and letting the message sink in, and we'll all benefit from it. Boy, the, Satan really fights us in that area. That's a whole other message, and I better not even get started there because, while well, Satan will use absolutely anything to distract us, you know, during the course of a church service, and it, it just... It just doesn't come natural to be a good listener. We've got to discipline ourselves, and we've got to be prayerful and depend on the Lord. Dear God, open my ears and my heart and help me to receive the message you have for me today. And when we do, it always changes us. Thank you for being there tonight. Anyone have a last word before we leave, whether it's a prayer request we forgot about or a testimony or whatever, anything? Marvin? Marvin?